Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today we are going to talk about toxic overthinking. And if you've learned anything about me, you probably know that I tend to choose topics that resonate with me, that I have personally struggled with or had an experience with, and toxic overthinking is no stranger to me. It's when you get on, get caught on that mental hamster wheel where your thoughts just spin and spin and spin. It's like that song on the radio that won't stop playing and you don't know how to shut down those thoughts, get out of your head and get back into life. So when we overthink, I think the biggest problem with that is that we get stuck focused on the problem and we don't have any energy or bandwidth to focus on the solution. So I have a good friend with me today. She's a licensed professional counselor, and she's also author of The Cuckoo Syndrome, and her name is Andrea Anderson Polk. And I'm going to bring her in because Andrea is a wealth of knowledge. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with her. So Andrea, welcome. And how about if you introduce yourself? Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. That was a lovely introduction. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I'm so passionate about sharing things that I've experienced myself. So definitely on the same page there. Oh, yeah, I'm really moved by a deep calling and commitment to help people be healed, discover purpose, and live free. Wonderful. And you know, Andrea, I want to say the whole name of your book. It's called The Cuckoo Syndrome, The Secret to Breaking Free from Unhealthy Relationships, Toxic Thinking, and Self-Sabotaging Behavior. I love that because toxic overthinking is exactly that. It's self-sabotaging behavior. So Andrea, you and I both work in mental health. We both work as coaches. And I was curious, how do you describe toxic overthinking to your clients? Toxic overthinking, I would define as expending too much time and energy, rationalizing, ruminating, reasoning, analyzing everything in a way that's harmful instead of helpful. And I also find that overthinking is a way to feel like you're in control. So it's a self-protection. And I believe that control is always rooted in fear. So it could be a fear of failure, a fear of rejection, a fear of the unknown, a fear of feelings, a fear of pain, even a fear of happiness. Mm. You know what? That's a that's an interesting take on that because I I think that's fantastic to say it that way because when we overthink things at the end of the day it's I think a lot of times because we do feel like we don't have control over it we spin and spin and spin about something because we don't know how to control all the variables we don't know how to take back what we said or we don't know how to control the future and like you said control is often about fear it is fear of the unknown or fear of, gosh, I said this. And what if it creates this? Um, what if something I said causes me to lose my job? Or what if they, the way I responded cost me my relationship? And fear is such, you know, fear and control. Yeah, those are two kind of synonymous, synonymous things. I know I am a... I am a ruminator, right? And when it hits me most, 
is when I try to go to sleep at night and all of a sudden it's like, and the brain turns on and the thoughts just start flooding. Is that, is that common with what you see with your clients? Absolutely. There's something about the night season where we don't have the distractions of the day where we're essentially just left with ourselves. So uh, all of those thoughts, we're also really tired, um, our defenses are down, even just the way that our brain works, um, we're not functioning as sharply. So those thoughts really just kind of like an unwelcome visitor, you know, they just come and take over. So the night is hard for a lot of people. That's a great point. Yeah. Or I wake up in the middle of the night, right? You wake up in the middle of the night, just make a simple bathroom run. And the next thing you know, you you got more than you bargained for because the brain turns on and the thoughts turn on. So, you know, I always think, Andrea, when I think about overthinking, because I think that it happens to all of us in all spaces, I think trainers think about their clients, they think about their families. Um, there's so many different, no matter what walk of life, I think a lot of us kind of have this um, this way that we process thoughts. And sometimes we try to over-process and, and fix all of our problems in the, in the dark of the night, of course. But I, I often say that it keeps us focused on the problem. And so we don't have any energy or bandwidth to focus on the solution. Because all we do is think about the problem over and over and over again. And it's like we get stuck in quicksand, right? Yes. And I, I want to hone in on the word you use, fix. I think that's really powerful and a large component of overthinking. I have, I have a lot of clients that come to me, I'm sure the same with you, you know, and they, and they sit on the edge of my sofa and they just anxiously want tools. You know, they're, they're kind of desperate to fix their issues. And what I find is that they're more interested in knowing the answer instead of knowing themselves. And, you know, I think a lot of us, myself included, we can really be driven by this intense need, not just to try to fix our problems, but fix ourselves. So we turn ourself into a project that needs to be fixed instead of seeing ourselves as a person with a story who's worthy of love and compassion. So I invite my clients into a relationship. And at that point, they're able to know themselves at a deeper level. And that experiential relational knowing is what leads to long-term healing and successful transformation. Mm, yeah, that getting to know yourself instead of looking your, at yourself as a project to be fixed. Um, it's true, so many of us, because we do get fixated on the problem. We do get fixated on overthinking about the problem. When we do go in and we seek help, that is our inclination to say, okay, so what do I do? How do I stop this? How do I fix this? Instead of really exploring, well, what's going on in my life and who am I and what's actually creating these thoughts to spin in the first place? Is that kind of what you're saying? Go in a little bit deeper, kind of peeling away the layers? Absolutely. It's, you know, because knowledge in and of itself doesn't bring healing. So that what you're talking about, this, you know, deep dive into you know, who you are and looking at your feelings and the way that you think about things and knowing your story, all of that leads to an experiential knowing versus more of an intellectual knowing. So I, I absolutely agree. And I'm sure you find that 
with your clients as well, that they really start to change at a deeper level. Yeah. You know, if you, when your clients come in and, and they're, you know, people are, we're all looking for solutions. We all want, you know, whether we think we're a project to be fixed or whatever, we all want to feel better. That's really what is at the core of it is I'm having a lot of thoughts. I can't seem to shut them down. It's causing me not to sleep, which then when you don't sleep, the thoughts get even more intense, right? Because um, when I'm sleep deprived, I get more anxious. And then the more anxious I get, the more the thoughts keep coming. And so when we think about what are some practical ways to shut that down then? What are some practical, applicable tools and techniques that people can try to explore getting to know themselves a little bit more, but to get out of their head? I love that book, by the way. I think it was Stephen Hayes, Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life. And that's yes. what his whole acceptance and commitment therapy is about is, is get out of your head and, and start figuring out what's going on and living your life. So what's a tool yes. that you think works for people in these situations? Yes. And just on, to piggyback on something you said, which is important, I think a lot of times, especially with the ruminating at night, I, I tell my clients, just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. So, you know, not, don't accept every thought that comes into your head, especially in the night season. But to answer your question, a practical tool is to take action. So essentially getting out of your head into your behavior. A, a lot of us falsely believe that if we're thinking about something, that we're doing something. But really, we're, we're thinking instead of doing, which keeps us stuck. So I have a lot of clients that will say, you know, should I stay or leave my relationship? Or should I stay or leave my job? Or should I start a new business or not? And I help them understand that, you know, knowing the answer to that question, it's, it's the what do I do? And there's a difference between, you know, the what and the how. So the what is the thinking, you know, what do I do? Do I stay or leave? And the how is the doing. So that's the action that's getting into your behavior. So for example, if it's a relationship you're in that's painful or one-sided, whatever the issue might be, I encourage my clients to take action, you know, say no, start setting boundaries, you know, use their voice, communicate their needs. And as you take those action steps, that brings clarity on whether or not the person is gonna change or if this is a relationship you really wanna stay in. Same thing applies to your job. Do I wanna stay or leave my job? You know, start taking action steps. Maybe have, you know, create a resume, start networking, talking to people, applying for jobs. So essentially it's, it's getting out of your head, into your behaviors, taking those action steps, which will lead to clarity and then you'll have your answer. Mm, I like that a lot. Before I kind of like deep dive into that, Andrea, I want to reintroduce you. We're talking about toxic overthinking or when you get on that mental hamster wheel and the thoughts just spin around and around and around and around, like that song on the radio that you hear once and it keeps playing over and over again in your head. I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body, and I'm talking to Andrea Anderson Polk. She is a licensed professional counselor and the author of The Cuckoo Syndrome. And we are talking about how do you get out of your head? How do you stop those thoughts? 
And Andrea, just to kind of kind of reiterate what you're saying is you're saying that when we're thinking about something, we think we're doing something because we're we're thinking. Um, yes. But what but what you're really saying is if you go back to that word control, what we all want is to feel like we have control. So what kind of actionable steps can you take? So if a trainer is thinking, I need to dump this client, this client is, you know, negative energy, they're never coming on time, blah, 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 blah. Well, then actionable steps would be much like that relationship that you just talked about where, okay, um, I need to tell my client from now on, if you're more than five minutes late, the session cannot happen. You're going to owe me full price for the session. Or I need to tell my client, you know, the session is strictly for what we're here for. You know, we don't want to get lost in a lot of uh, exterior information that's that's going to get in the way of of you doing the best job that you can during this hour. So actionable steps. So in relationships, setting boundaries, at work, setting boundaries, whatever it might be. So I, I like that. Action steps. <laughs> that's a wonderful example of what you described with the client. Because it's taking, like you said, the focus off of trying to figure it out and then making that connection back to, yeah, it, it gives you this false sense of control. I mean, nothing ever changes and you're the one suffering. So just like making those steps um, with the client and kind of putting it on them to see their responsibility and their behavior, that was, that was a really helpful example. Well, and you know, one thing I do, an action step that I take, Andrea, is when I can't shut those thoughts down, I go ahead and I grab my phone and I open up a no the notes app and I just journal, I purge. I just kind of emotionally vomit onto my notes app and get all of that out. Like you said, it doesn't change anything in the moment, but it gives me a sense of control by saying, I don't want to carry this in here anymore. I'm going to give it a place to go. And inevitably, if I just spend five minutes purging onto my notes app or a piece of paper, I can go back to sleep. I settle my nervous system. I'm not so uh, overwhelmed by these thoughts. So that's an action step for me that that tends to work. And I don't know, I think it works for a lot of people. I think journaling is kind of cathartic. Um, so what do you think? What's another action step people can take? I, I love that one. So speaking of journaling, I am an avid journaler. And what's fascinating to me is so in terms of connecting the journaling to gratitude when you start to focus on what's right instead of what's wrong and you look for just the micro moments throughout the day like the itty teeny moments that bring you joy or where something good happens and then writing those down throughout the day it could be the notes app on your phone. Uh, what I do is every morning when I wake up, I have a quiet time and I just write down the things from the previous day, just the, the littlest things, because it, it starts to train your brain to have a positivity bias and you start to look for the good things. And then it also reinforces the truth that, you know, I'm, I'm resourceful, I'm resilient, good things happen to me. So it, it changes your brain, and it's it's something that I even go back and look at my journal, you know, months ago, years ago, and it's this collection of these moments that have happened in my life that it really increases my faith in myself and other people and my abilities. It, it's been life changing. 
Hmm. A positivity bias. I like that yeah. because it, it, it's, it's, you know, trainers, if they have 20 clients on their caseload, 25 clients on their caseload, there, there could be one client that's getting a lot of emotional space, taking up a lot of space up here. But if they go ahead and take a few minutes to write a few positive things about the other clients, they do recognize that the big picture is most of my clients show up. Most of my clients are are bringing positive energy and doing the right thing. It's really only this one person. And so it gives them greater perspective. It's kind of like in relationships of people, like you said, they're in a bad relationship and they're saying, I don't know whether to get out of this relationship. Well, if you journal about what is working and frankly, if you have a hard time finding things that are working, that kind of gives you an idea. But then what about the other areas of your life that are working? And how do those areas feel versus you in this relationship? Or how do these other clients feel versus you with this one client? So um, that's a good one. That positivity bias by just kind of journaling about what's working. I heard... Um, I can't think of the gal's name. She's written all those books about solution-focused therapy. And she always talks about, are you uh, watering the plot problem plant or watering the seeds of change? And uh, so that's, you know, pretty much where you're going with that, Andrea. So. Yes. Yeah. And uh, another tool I use, um, something that you just mentioned, uh, you know, is this idea of focusing on who you really are. So that, that's another tool is to really know who you are and what you want. And so when you start to have that positivity bias, you start to see good things, it also creates this space, like you were saying, to really sit with yourself because this toxic overthinking, it keeps you stuck in your head, but also disconnects you from who you really are. So like you said, being in touch with, okay, well, what do I think about this? Or like, what do I feel? What, what's the desire of my heart? What's my purpose? What's my passion? All of those things help get you out of that overthinking and starts to connect you with the things that really bring you joy in life. And then a lot of times the problem that you were initially struggling with loses power, just sort of falls off you. Um, in light of something that's bringing you joy and purpose. Mm, I like that one. You know, I always think too, in terms of like, where do I have positive control? So when I'm thinking about it, what I'm really thinking is, um, you know, if this relationship is really gnawing at me or this client is really gnawing at me, what role am I playing? Right. Because I did a whole podcast segment, two segments on energy vampires. And it's this yeah. idea that somebody could be an energy vampire to me, but they might not be to the next person. So if I'm laying awake in bed at night, ruminating over this person, I have to really recognize what role am I playing in this situation? Because if other people seem to get along with this person or this person doesn't seem to rub other people wrong, what role am I playing? Am I not setting boundaries? Am I trying to control what this person says and does when I have no control over that? So it's more about getting in touch with who am I and where do I have positive control and letting go of these things that I can't control, which is other people. <laughs> yes. And it, and it also brings you back to you know, the reason you're doing that in the first place and what brings you joy. And, you know, this, if this dynamic is stealing your joy, like you said, you're not blaming the person, you're taking responsibility. Sort of comes back to why did I do this in the first place? You know, what, 
brings me a sense of meaning here. And you know, this this relationship or this dynamic doesn't align anymore. So how do I again get out of my head into my behavior and start to make changes in that place? So that, that's a great point about taking the responsibility instead of putting it on someone else who probably doesn't even know they're doing it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, if I take onus of something, I have the power to change it. If I pretend yeah. that it's someone else's fault, I don't feel any power to change it. I don't feel any sense of control. So, um, Andrea, I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Andrea Anderson Polk. My name is Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm talking to Andrea Anderson Polk. She is a licensed professional counselor, and she is also the author of The Cuckoo Syndrome. And we're talking about toxic overthinking, otherwise known as ruminating or dwelling, or I can't get out of my head. It's when those thoughts just spin again and again and again. And it especially seems to be something that affects all of us at night. And, uh, you know, here's a really helpful thing, Andrea, that we haven't talked about. And that's when people say, oh, just stop thinking about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that, right? Like those, those, um, uh, what do I call those platitudes? You know, oh, just stop thinking about it. Or, oh, think about something else. None of us need platitudes when we we are ruminating about something that's really in our way. The way I see it is that if something is playing over and over again in your mind, it's something worth paying attention to, but it's what are you doing in the process of paying attention to it? Don't you think? Yes, and it's interesting you keep bringing up the nighttime because I have so many clients who just, if I can use the word torment, you know, they, they feel mentally tormented at night and it affects their sleep. And something I've learned is, you know, when these thoughts come at night, I see it sort of like a, like a person, like an unwelcome visitor and having to make that choice. So I'm not going to dialogue with you about this tonight because tomorrow morning, it's probably not even going to have the same magnitude that it has now. And I find that every single morning I wake up and I either forget about those things or I just have an entirely new perspective. And I feel like, you know what, this, this is going to be okay. Or I'll, you know, sit and like you said, journal about it, get those thoughts out, uh, read my gratitude journal before and see ways that I did overcome the things I'm afraid of. And then also finding like a similar theme, you know, it's just packaged a different way, but really it's because deep down, I feel like I don't deserve to be happy or, you know, it's different for each of us, but I really appreciate how you keep talking about the nighttime because I, I find a lot of people struggle at night. Like you said, there's no magic wand. It doesn't just go away. Um, it's mm. just learning how to manage the thoughts. You know, I'm glad. I was hoping you were going to bring up that last thing that you brought up, which is that underlying sense of, am I not worthy or do I just not deserve to be happy? And so a lot of times if we're ruminating and we're stuck in our thoughts and these themes come keep coming back up again, maybe we are um, bringing a lot of people into our world that aren't the best people for us or the way that we are, the way that we are responding to them is not making them the best people for us. They could be wonderful people, but the fact that we're not setting boundaries with them means that we don't have healthy relationships with them. And that comes down to, do I just not think I'm worthy of having these good relationships? 
So Andrea, before we maybe talk about one more tool, I kind of want to reiterate. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm talking to Andrea Anderson Polk. She's a licensed professional counselor and she wrote The Cuckoo Syndrome. So she talks a lot about self-sabotaging behaviors in her book. And that is what overthinking is. It's, it's, it's a self-sabotage. It costs us sleep. It costs us valuable time and energy. And Andrea mentioned at the very beginning that a lot of times we think because we think that thinking is doing, but really it's two very different things. So Andrea, if I have it right, one of the first things you mentioned was to maybe recognize that thinking is not doing. We need to think in terms of action steps. So if there's a relationship that feels toxic, what are some action steps you can do to make that relationship better? Can you set healthier boundaries with your client? And what would those boundaries look like, right? Action steps to put yourself in a situation where you feel more in control. And another one you said was, we talked about journaling and journaling about what's working instead of what's not. And then we talked about kind of getting in touch with who you are as, as a person. And I, I, I didn't do that one as much justice, but who are you and why do these themes keep coming up? And maybe you can expound on that. Yeah, so overthinking, it disconnects us from our true self. So your example, if you have a client that is draining your energy or they're just difficult or you, know, you dread meeting with them, um, I guess this would be more in terms of um, the fitness world. Um, so yeah, it's important to kind of get back to why am I doing this in the first place? What What is my purpose? What brings me joy? And instead of blaming the other person or making it about something they're doing wrong, it's okay, well, let me give them another opportunity. Maybe I need to let them know, you know, they're, they're always running late or they're not really wanting to do the work or, you know, it could be different things, but it's that sense of coming back to yourself and that helps you not get so stuck thinking as you're starting to do steps and then you'll have clarity in terms of is this going to work or not yeah why am i doing this and and you know are there some action steps i can help my client to recognize you know maybe my client doesn't recognize the impact that being late is always having on me or the impact of never quote doing the homework and kind of being prepared for session, you know, um, talking yeah. about different nutritional advice and they're never implementing it, that type of thing. So, cause relationships take two people. So Andrea, is there anything else that you would advise for people who can't get out of their head? I know for me, journaling is probably my number one go-to thing. I need to, that's an action step that makes me feel like I have some sense of control. Um, but I liked your last one, by the way, I don't want to forget to bring that one up where you said it's an unwelcome visitor <laughs> yes. and you're like, I don't want to deal with you tonight. I'll deal with you in the morning. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to think about that one tonight when my mind starts turning. I'm going to think about that unwelcome visitor and see if I can like disinvite him into my space. Sorry. Notice he's a him. I don't know what that means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the word disinvite too. Yes. Yes. So is there anything else you would, you would uh, put out on the table? The last thing I would say is to pause and celebrate the victories and the wins. And a lot of times we just start, something good happens, and then we just move to the next problem or the next thing. So it's so important just to pause and just kind of savor and, and really like receive 
the victories and the good things that happen and really give your your heart and your mind a chance to really ruminate and celebrate the good things that are happening instead of just going immediately to the next thing. Because as you know, Angie, I'm sure there's always something or someone who's going to be difficult. Yeah, that's what I think so too. I mean, it, it, there's so much narrative out there about, oh, get rid of toxic people. Well, we've all been toxic at different times and yeah. we all interact with one another differently. I don't think it's that easy. I think it's about self-reflection and saying, okay, what is working in my world? Because I'm giving an awful lot of emotional energy to this one person, which means that all my time and energy is over here when really globally, my life is pretty darn good and people are pretty darn good. And so it's yeah. really up to us to take onus and say, how much energy am I expending thinking about what's not working? How much am I watering that plot, that problem plant when in fact, things overall are pretty darn good. So I don't think it's that easy of let's just dispose of people. Um, I think that people are people and we all have good sides, bad sides, and we all interact with one another differently. But if I own my personal power, I'm much more likely to manage my relationships in a healthy way. So Andrea, before we kind of close up, I would like to know how can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to reach you or read your book? Because it's a phenomenal book. Thank you for asking, Angie. Yes, my book is called The Cuckoo Syndrome, The Secret to Breaking Free from Unhealthy Relationships, Toxic Thinking, and Self-Sabotaging Behavior. My website is andreaandersonpolk.com. You can find out more about me and also how we can work together one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you again, Andrea. Thanks to all of you for listening. May you have mental clarity tonight and not have a single thought that spins in your head. All right, we'll see you next week.